Hello and welcome back to another Lost in Possession podcast. This week we discuss fans and certain teams. Are fans toxic at the moment in terms of, are they talking about teams in turmoil that just really aren't? And is social media playing into that factor? Would it be seen as the same without it? Then we've also got to talk about our Sky sort of adding to that BT with the sort of possible favouritism of United, Arsenal, Liverpool in them sort of factors to the big, probably the biggest clubs in in England. Um, Jordan, I think we've first pass over to you. How do you sort of see the sort of, are fans becoming toxic or not, really? Uh, the, the short answer is, <laughs> is yes. Um, I, I definitely think so. In general, um, whether we can, you know, we can get deeper into it, the reasons behind it. But I think generally nowadays, more so than ever, um, there is, you know, most fan bases of most seemingly big clubs, you know, in England and maybe even the world. But it does seem a lot of toxicity. You know, obviously, it's always going to be social media, but, you know, even in the stands and, and there's so many constant debates as to whether a club is doing well or not. And, and what's important is, is how quickly that changes. We, you know, we talk about narratives all the time and, and genuinely with, you know, the likes of Twitter as one example, you'll see entire fan bases kind of switching their mood and opinion, you know, within a week, just based on a couple of kind of influencer tweets and a couple of news changes. You know, we'll get onto kind of the, the bigger examples with maybe United and Arsenal on a wider scale, but... Even with the you know Chelsea fan base, when I, when I log into Twitter, um, honestly, so you you get the standard few you know influencers and stuff with their opinions, but even even in the last couple of weeks, as an example for for Chelsea, you've got I think probably two or three weeks ago, obviously we've got the new owners come in, um, we've got rid of Lukaku, the whole narrative around the club on on social media is our oh, positive. Bowley's come in, got rid of Lukaku at Tuchel's request. He's back in Tuchel. Everyone's in good spirits, good vibes. A week later, we're the only club who hasn't signed a player in the window yet. And the whole na- the whole narrative suddenly just seems to be negative. And it's like, oh, what are they doing? Why are we not signing anyone? And it's like a long-standing joke now that we're just in talks with, with, with the world. We're just in talks with everyone and we're not going to sign people. And it's like, you've got to put it into perspective. It's been about a week. Like, we've just had a whole change-up of the board and, and, and all the rest of it. Give them time. Like, how can you switch your whole positive or, or negative attitude in a week? Um, it, it's, it's absolutely absurd to me. And I think ta- fans are becoming more and more toxic. And I think that is, you know, without getting too political, that is a lot to do with social media and how quickly and how reactive um, you can be to, to any news that happens. Um, obviously, that's just Chelsea's one example. Reese, I guess you can expand, you know, Arsenal fan TV is probably been a debate for years whether that's good or bad and and my take on that is Arsenal fan TV is very toxic what, what's your take on that from I guess an Arsenal perspective um, yeah I mean I think I think the Arsenal fan TV thing is a different kettle of fish I think their fans are very passionate um, and I do agree they want the team to do well but I think I think they'd be silly to not recognise that they grew because of the toxic environment at the club at the time I think they really cemented themselves during uh, sort of uh, around 2013 when Wenger hadn't made a signing all summer, 
when it was clear to everybody that they needed to make someone. And they lost the first game of the season at home to Villa. And I remember it just blew up with fans, you know, livid. You know, and it really put things like that on the map. I think that was a, I think it's it's toxic in a way, but also it's also entertaining. Like, let's, let's, not, let's not deny that. But yeah, I think it can lead to toxic culture. But I would probably say there are two sort of key points that have led to a fan fans becoming this. And I would argue it's not necessarily a direct cause of themselves. I would argue that the foundation, since the when the Premier League started, I think that was the start of when this was going to get ugly. Um, I think England in particular was one of those countries in Europe that was often quite patient with managers and building projects. You know, you'd get managers to stay two, three years, even if they'd stay if a team, the team got relegated. Um, and I think that when all that money started to come in, they got more money, there's more pressure. Again, I think clubs started to become a bit more trigger happy. They started to lose their idea of projects and visions and growing a team because they knew that one or two years finishing below a certain place would be too expensive. I think we didn't see that very often, but I think the, it become more of an issue with, um, no offence, but it was when Abramovich took over at Chelsea. He had a very much no long-term plan. It was more of a not working, get rid not working, get rid. And I think you can understand that with how how many managers were actually won a trophy in his era that were there no longer than 18 months. And when you start to see that success of that philosophy, it then starts to settle in. So then that triggers, that trickles down to the fans who all now lose their patience. Oh, well, it's working for them. We need to do it. We have, he has, instead of being look, he hasn't won in six, you know, got to give him time. It's going to take time. Now it's, he needs to be sacked. But then they'll go and complain that a manager is not being given time. I think those are the two things that help trigger down to this fan toxic culture. It's now become a, of course, society as well. You know, we, we want things now and it has to be now. And I think just football doesn't work like that. And I think that's now starting to implode. And I think it's only going to get worse if teams don't scowl back and, and realise they need to, perhaps be a bit more sensible with their approaches because more pressure from the fans the more pressure on yourselves and it just it just uh, just makes a whole toxic environment and and not a very nice one by any means no i think that's a that's absolutely fair point what you're saying about that and i've sort of seen it a bit with city as well obviously we're in the sort of blessed period for us where we're actually you know fighting on all four fronts winning trophies every season at the moment but you've sort of like Jordan said on Twitter one week changed it Sterling's rumoured to leave then it comes out saying we're probably not going to replace him everyone's doom and gloom and like you if you asked them probably between like the second or third game before the season ended they went oh Sterling can leave and it's just so funny how it's it changes so quickly I did want to get back to the Arsenal point of view, and I do get what you're saying. With Arsenal fan TV have not exploited, but they've gained so much through how it was being perceived at Arsenal, where you felt like you're going nowhere. However, sort of my problem I have with it is what divine right do you have to win trophies every year? And like I said, when I said about City, I feel blessed about it because I've seen us get relegated. I've seen the actual 
worst sort of I wasn't quite there for the worst worst part of our history at the moment but it doesn't mean it can't happen again Arsenal fans I don't think they've been relegated in God knows how long I, I don't know if they've never never been relegated or something along them lines it can be a lot lot worse and then even so if you go with this period now so I've got like the last like eight seasons you've won three FA Cups and three Community Shields I know people don't count the Community Shield but for this argument's sake, I'm going to bring them in. Teams would call that a, a period of success. You've got the likes of Villa, Everton, Leeds, all sort of big clubs in their own nature, who have not won a trophy well, nearly since we were all born, kind of thing. So it's like nearly 30 years going, no trophy. And then Arsenal are going on like it's absolute doom and gloom. But now if you even look at sort of what you said about the Arsenal Wenger, he didn't spend on that one window. I understand sort of it's, you always want, your team should always want to improve. So when you don't sign anyone, I get where there is a bit of that toxic behaviour, unless there's financial side to it. But if you look at the last sort of, I think it's eight seasons, you've only not gone over a hundred million three times. So five times you have three, you haven't. And two of them are still over 70 mil. So it's like, it's only one player in it, possibly. I just think it's there's just a lot more worse that teams, teams and fans just don't get. Like, look at look at well, look at what's going on at Derby. Like, they've been relegated. They like they I don't know how many points it was they deducted. It was something like twenty one, something along them lines. Silly. That's that's where it's getting doom and gloom. Then you go to the more even more extreme, Berry. They had to they went into administration liquidated. I know they've come back as probably like FC Berry, just swapped the name around, but they're now in the God knows how many tiers down. That's where you should have the sort of proper doom and gloom, is what I'm thinking. And then you see if you look on sort of I mentioned Sky when I was in, doing the introduction. Sky are so bad with it, and it's not just Arsenal. It's mainly United, due to the fact Neville's there. He like in April he said United are broken, with issues from top to bottom. Now are United in their prime? No, absolutely not. But like for God's sake, how how are you broken when you're spending 150 million? Each year, you're still making European competitions. You've won, you've won a European competition better than what we have in in your dreadful periods. It's, I just don't see. I think teams just are so lucky, and they're now spoiled. If I think that's probably the best word to use. Yeah, I think I think it's it's, it's easy to, for fans, and and you could you can almost not blame them, but fans, as you said. There just seems to be the clubs that think, you know, we're all, you know, fans of the big clubs, I guess. But it seems that big clubs feel like they're, they're entitled to trophies and they're guaranteed to win trophies. And we've seen exactly. in recent years, there's, nothing's guaranteed in football. Um, you know, going back to the Arsenal fan TV point, I mean, they're in a weird position now, you know, Robbie, where he almost, when Arsenal lose, he'll probably make more money because of the views. So it's like, does he want Arsenal to win or does he want Arsenal to lose? 
genuine genuine debate probably for him um obviously they're designed you know they're designed to to stir up as much toxic vibes i guess as, as they can um maybe you know and, and for the rest of us sitting back watching it we absolutely love it you know <laughs> when arsenal lose the first thing you want to do is watch arsenal fan tv so they've massively succeeded in that sense but i think you've got to as you said you know the berry and derby example you've got to put things into context sometimes in the bigger picture um it's so you know i can imagine back in the day before before social media existed the whole narrative around clubs were probably completely different you know you go down there Saturday on the pub with your mates and, and it's probably a more positive atmosphere and you're probably feeling better about your clubs, how it's going. Whereas now you look online and every, every single announcement, decision, kit, player signing, comment from a player is being heavily, heavily scrutinised by thousands, millions of people, which I don't think helps. Um, on United, I mean, <laughs> on Gary Neville's comment, I, I kind of do agree, to be honest. I do think United are broken, but I think for me, the issue is them expecting now, you know, going back to what I just said, them expecting to compete again. They're not just broken. They're finished, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is that era of them winning the league five, six years in a row, whatever it was, you know, I don't think that's ever going to happen again for a very, very, very long time. So in that sense, like the old times, the old ways of Man United, I think are just done. And I think fans need to try and accept that rather than getting disheartened. So like, let's, let's say for example, next season, right? United probably won't be happy with top four because they think they should be competing for the league, et cetera. But I think for United, getting in the top four next season would be a phenomenal achievement. But I genuinely do because of where they're at, the signings they're making, the, the downfall they're on. And I think that's where fans' motives and, and, and narratives and opinions get completely twisted. You have to put things into context and be realistic. But yeah, I agree with what you said about United is since Alex Ferguson left, I think they've finished out of the top four four times in, I think it's now 10 years. I know that's not great for them considering where they were at, but teams have these periods where they're on top where they're not on top. I'm sure City will not be on top in maybe 10, 15 years' time. I hope they are, but it's not realistic for me to say. And when that happens, I'll be like, I want, I want everyone wants their team to win every week. Like that, that's what you that's what you want. You want your team to win. But sometimes you just gotta go, it just didn't happen. You can blame certain players for certain movements, but then I think it's gets to the point where sometimes you just got to go, actually, our expectations are here. They actually should be about here. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that, and I think United, what you say with the top four is, because I heard someone the other day, I can't remember who it was, sort of said, oh, you should be going for top four. And they go, well, I'm a United fan. I want to win the league. It's a, fa- it's a failure of a season unless we win the league. That, that's just so ridiculous. It's going to lead to a lot of a lot of disappointment. <laughs> that's all I'm going to every say. Team, Got to put it in perspective. Then disappointed, aren't they? Yeah. Every lot of fans, except for the one that wins it, and even then, obviously, other this is obviously other fans trolling and stuff like that. If you don't win all four trophies, you get ridiculed. I've seen it with City. I saw it with Liverpool. You know, like it's. I think it's just completely stupid at times. 
where teams just I know you want to do the best, but sometimes it's just not possible where you need, say, like a plan for five years to get back to that level. You've got to accept it. I understand that United's business hasn't been the best. They've spent a billion or so and have three or four trophies to show for it. But if you look at the sort of the way that City and Liverpool have gone, it's sort of like Alex Ferguson wasn't getting them points. He might have done it in this era. Like that's a whole different matter, but it's always in context. You've got to think about it. Um, yeah. So Reese, what what would you say is sort of United standpoint? Do they really have any backing when they're when they're actually like protesting against the Glazers? I don't think they'd do it if they were winning the league. No, and they'll never stop. Because as soon like they're going to complain now, they'll splash the cash. Then what they're going to look to complain about? They'll complain about something else. Oh, uh, well, we don't like, we don't like the food you serve. The thing, uh, it's going to be constant. Like, where where do you draw the line? What what people need to understand that is first of all is social media has, has not helped this situation. Fans have a voice and rightly so, but it now means that they believe that you know it should be what they say. Football is a business. It's changed. You know, you have to make decisions that are going to be unpopular. But football as well, needs people need to realise that football, like society, has evolved. Laws have changed. You know, circumstances have changed. You know, if football had never evolved, then Burnley, Blackburn, Wolves, they would be the teams that are top of the league, you know, but they're not anymore. And a lot of that's because as society has evolved, the money's trickled down into the bigger cities, you know, to towns like the Burnley and the cities like the Wolverhamptons because their industries have suffered they're not getting the money so the Manchesters are growing you know the Liverpools grow the Londons grow so everything changes and football will change Arsenal fans can complain all they want but at the end of the day they were thriving in an era when it was just them and Man United really at the top Chelsea comes along you know and then Arsenal move stadiums so they're going to have to scale back and then more money comes into it you know, Chelsea get their money and then, of course, City get their money. So that's two extra teams to compete with. Liverpool get more investment, more teams to compete with. You've got Newcastle now, you've got Villa with a few quid. Fulham have got money, you know, even though it's a different circumstance, they've still got it. Tottenham have got money and then it becomes that issue of, you know, maybe Arsenal moved at the wrong time. It's just how football is. It's becoming more competitive and, and the way Arsenal's project is lined up, if theirs is a success, other teams will do the same. So they'll scale back and grow up. So it's like, they'll go to the front of the queue. Everyone goes back, move it up. And you just keep changing. That's just, that's just how it is. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. There's nothing wrong with I'd say, look, we want to win the league. But you also need to understand that, you know, where you are at the moment, probably not going to be achievable. Take your time. You know, they're bringing in that Malassi. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a great player. That's one improvement. Dion comes in, another improvement. You finish fifth next season, great. Improve on it again. Otherwise, if you just go for the first and go for first, you're going to set yourself up for a greater fall, I think, because eventually it'll come down. They're not league-winning signings, are they? Let's let's be completely honest. You know, Christian Eriksen is a good signing, but he's not a league-winning signing. That's a that's a top six an, club signing. They're an improvement on what they already have. So, at the end of the day, it's baby steps, isn't it? You know, unfortunately, football fans don't want baby steps. They want giant leaps, you know. Yeah. And that's just not how it works. You have to have to have this project in mind and you have to have that stability. 
I think Man United fans were voted the most toxic overall in the league, which is not surprising, you know, constantly complaining about the owners, but the owners have paid money. Yeah, They've yeah. Regard, you know, this whole dividends thing, oh, they took all money out of the club. I'm pretty sure dividends is an actual part of what business and shares are. Yeah. It doesn't make a difference. They're still giving you money. The Cronkies are still ploughing money in. United you know, have spent the most. We said it on a few a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. They've spent over a billion pounds. Look at the money gone. Maguire, yeah. Varane, Sancho, uh, just, Fred. The list, you know, is endless. So exactly. Can't blame the owners hundred percent. No, that goes down to a, a lack of, I would say, scouting insight. You know, you know, why aren't you bringing the scouts in that you know get the players at FC Porto or, you know, that sort of group? Because this is. You know, you, you, it's quite clear. You just seem to be just jumping in, you know, without looking at it properly. So all of it creates a toxic atmosphere when situations like that do go awry. But sometimes you just have to accept that it's reality. Like, you can't always be at the top, you know. Man United didn't become a force until Matt Busby, you know, or Liverpool under Shankly or Leeds under Revy, you know. Just because you've done it in the past, the past is in the past. You you want to focus and talk in the present tense. On that point, actually, yeah. just just about the the clubs that have kind of been ingrained in in English football, I think there has been so much tox, toxic toxicity. Is that even a word? I don't know if I've just made it up. Toxicity. There we go. If, if it's not a word, it is now. Um, from the likes of you know United and, and Liverpool, as an example, who have got whatever it is thirty league trophies each or whatever. Um, then you see the new clubs come in with a bit of cash. You know, Chelsea criticised heavily, so much toxic energy towards them and, and still is to this day. Then to City, to Newcastle. Now, what you, what do you want? Like, you just want your clubs to just sit, sit there at the top of the league for the rest of the world and, and no other clubs ever to compete or challenge you. Like, it's just completely ridiculous attitude. You know, I'm That's not... Exactly what people want, though. They yeah, don't but, actually want competition. They'll moan about the Super League. But in reality, you just you don't want competition because yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Every yeah. year, it's, yeah, it's how it is. It's it's stupid. You know, yeah. it's like you go for a job interview. You're going to be competing with other people. You can't just walk in and be like, "I'm going to have this job. It's my yeah. job." And if you don't get it, oh, this is ridiculous. It's outrageous. <laughs> you know, it's life. Unfortunately, like you have to accept that things change and and that competition is good. Yeah, you know, if I mean, you have just one team every year the whole league would collapse because no one would be going to watch their other teams. You know, it's... Yeah. And on that point, like Newcastle, you know, everything that's going on with them, I'm not sitting here moaning about Newcastle. Maybe if they start getting in the top four spots and we don't, I'll have an issue. But I don't have an issue with them coming in. It's going to make the league more exciting, more interesting. As long as they don't start buying all the best, you know, they don't start signing all the best players and just whacking 200 mil down every, every player. Obviously, that's a bit that's a bit silly. I'd like to see him build up and spend money wisely and, and build up to be a powerhouse one day. But you've got to just let it happen. I, I, obviously, Saudis is another debate for another day. But fundamentally, as a football club, them growing and competing, I don't think is a bad thing. No, not at all. And to be honest, they've had dark days under what, what was Mike Ashley. I know they they had gone down, gone back up. They'd had some of the sort of turmoil of how it sounds like United are at the moment that's how it sounds like they're actually getting relegated and coming back up not spending money and all this but what you're saying about the owners 
One thing that does annoy me, obviously I'm a City fan, so it's directed at me more, is every, and it will be at Newcastle, everything is Oil FC. It just constantly is, oh, your money's Oil FC. So it's fine that you've probably got an American owner. I don't know where the Glazers have got their money from. I don't know, like, I don't know where the Cronkies have. I don't, I don't know where Chelsea's new owners have got their money from. But because they're sort of like, you know, in the Western society, no one bats an eyelid. They could have, they could generally have slaves going on and people wouldn't bat an eyelid just from where they're from. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs for City's owners. I don't know for Newcastle's owners. I don't. I, it's not, I haven't got time to be doing that. I've got a life. I'm not going into all that as more politicians. If there was such a problem, the league, that's where the league, Premier League, should come in and stop it or the government in some sort of way. But the fact is you always see Oil FC, Oil FC, Oil FC. When, when, funnily enough, the only team that I've known to have an oil company on their shirt is Man United. They had it with, I think they had, I can't remember the picture. It was, Rooney was definitely on there. It might have been Ronaldo, Tevez, people like that with it. It's it's just hypocritical. And if, say, City were near the bottom, there wouldn't be one word saying Oil FC. Wouldn't be one word. It's only because we're at the top that's where it comes in and there's art jealousy and the toxic sort of... There are people frustrated with their own clubs got to say something about some other club to make some sort of excuse. Going back to the all, just quickly, just to, sorry, to cut you off, you know, Gazprom, you know, you saw it on the Champions League adverts for years, Gazprom, you know, that's that, that's fundamentally oil, you know, so what, you're going to not want to win the Champions League because it's sponsored by oil money. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah that's what we've done. That's what we've not won it. <laughs> <laughs> Same with Arsenal, we just, we, we're fed up of it, you know. Stand our ground. <laughs> It's just, it's just ridiculous. That's the thing. It's, it's the ownership things are relevant. Like, you know, it's, it's a billionaire's thing. It, it's just how it's changed. You know, you can blame the Premier League, the formation of the Premier League for that, really, because they're the ones that encouraged it. So it doesn't matter that Newcastle are owned by the Saudi state. It doesn't matter that City are owned by Qatar or PSG are. That's just how it's changed. Look at Germany. Everyone moans about Leipzig you know, because they're run by Red Bull, but Hoffenheim's run by a pharmaceutical company. So is Bayer Leverkusen. You know, Wolfsburg run by Volkswagen. No one seems to care about them. But they've also got the problem with their league is obviously they're doing the, the 50 plus one rule, isn't it? And the only team that really aren't properly in that are Bayern and they've won it for the 10th consecutive year in a row. So people like Leipzig coming in, they're actually making it more competitive. Otherwise... It would be Bayern first, Dortmund second. By a long way. But yeah, yeah. But quite comfortably. At least Leipzig are coming in going, hold on, we're not making this a complete foregone conclusion. We're going to start dealing with it. And that's also, yeah, like you say, it's maybe not what people, no one wants, everyone wants everything to be sort of squeaky clean. Our company's perfect, all this. My football team's perfect in every sort of way. It's just not possible. Now, there are probably other aspects, like I said, I don't know about, that are wrong in what they're doing. But at the end of the day, we're here to watch football. 
we care about our football team. We want to we want to sign quality players and see quality football and win matches. Or it comes down to winning matches quite a lot of the time. I'm so I've seen Jordan's Chelsea and Jordan being very happy with sort of parking the bus Mourinho style at times. Did did Jordan did you care, Jordan? No, no, no. If you're winning, you're winning. You know. Exactly. That's sort of where the United thing I think is a big factor because they're all sort of protesting. Didn't see him quite protesting when they signed Ronaldo. Yeah. I think there was a big, there was a massive queue though, just <laughs> outside the stadium. Oh, for the shirts. <laughs> and it's just, I think it's massively hypocritical. And then now that he's sort of saying he wants to leave, it becomes more toxic in other sort of ways. Yeah, it's always blame the Glazers, blame the Glazers. But there's only so much you can blame them. But here's a question for you both. Actually, I know we're talking about toxic fans, but we argue that most toxicity comes from the top how do you think clubs will restructure or address the toxicity are they happy to just let the toxic behavior happen or do you see clubs changing things because i personally have an idea of where i see the game going but how do you think that their happy balance will ever ever come it'd be very difficult that's just straight off. Um, in terms of the say social media side of things, there's got to be points where it's actually it's very hard for teams to get involved, but they'll have to ban people for certain comments that are racist, homophobic, the lot. In terms of in terms of stopping teams going, why aren't you signing this player? do it now, kind of things like that. That's going to be probably impossible to stop, I think. In terms of where the game's going, I, I, I don't actually know. I don't have a proper solution. It's quite quite a difficult thing to actually solve. I don't think there needs to be a solution as such. I mean, social media companies in general need to get involved to cut out the, you know, racism and all the rest of it you know that that can easily be done by a simple id verification on on a social media platform very simple solution i know i know we're getting a bit political here but that that could solve a lot of those racism issues i do actually i was going to flip the conversation a bit and say actually i do think there is the the other side of the argument is that social media the fans not necessarily them being toxic but fans raising their voices and opinion can actually have a positive impact Prime example, well, I've got a few examples, but prime example was, was the Super League. If social media didn't exist with the Super League, arguably it would have gone ahead. The protests outside of clubs, the way fans are collectively across all the clubs rallied together, made it so abhorrently clear that they were disgusted with the Super League. A lot of that, ultimately that pressure, the fans started, it's not, sorry, not the fans, but all the clubs started absolutely backtracking. And going, oh, we're sorry, we're so sorry. Like that scene out of the in-betweeners. Um, crying, crying back to their fans, going, oh, we're sorry. Um, so I think it can have a force for good on that side where there is genuine pressure on clubs to make a change. Um, and maybe to some degree, you can say that with Newcastle. I know Mike Ashley was, you know, a bit of a you-know-what for, for several years, but ultimately the fans' pressure and the fans' attitudes towards him, I guess, in the end, did result in what Newcastle will consider now one of the biggest things to happen to their club in years. So I think on the other side, there can be 
it can be a force for good, this kind of collective fan opinions and, and whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, it's got to be managed and ultimately the clubs can take what they're saying with a pinch of salt. Yeah, yeah, good points to bear. I mean, just saying that, like, obviously, yeah, you can't, you can't always get rid of that negative fan, you know, that, that's what society is. You know, you're always going to get someone that agrees or disagrees. But as I've, as I've mentioned before, like, to you two, like, the game is becoming more and more Americanized. you know, um, as the days go by. And I do see a culture change happening at some stage where that, where clubs will act more like American sport franchises. Now, I don't know much in terms of how fans behave at American sports, but I don't really think there's that hostility and behaviour from fans if their team finishes last. One, because they don't get relegated, of course, but there's also that different structure in place. You know, they do drafts, they bring from colleges, universities, wherever. I see our game stripping back slightly when it comes to the spending and things like that, and I can see clubs taking that approach, like what Arsenal are doing currently. And I think when you start to see progress like that, having people in long-term and all that, people's attitudes will change and visions will change and fans will probably become more patient. So I think that will help mitigate that toxic. Because if you can see where it's going, once one club does it, it will have a domino effect. And I think that's where it will go eventually. But it's very hard to implement that at this current stage with so much money at stake. I do agree with the sort of money side of things there because the money's getting, it's obviously like, it's a whole different ball game, but like you've got the cost of living kind of thing, inflation going up, things like that. There is, it's impo- I think it's impossible for the like prices just to continue going up the way it is. Possibly like a price cap could come in for sort of wages or everyone has sort of like a buyout clause that sort of has to be a reasonable price, but then that's where you get into people being like, well, what's reasonable and et cetera. I, I don't see it coming to a sort of where teams finish at the bottom and it's just kind of like go again, because I think that was one of the main problems with the super league that they were trying to bring everyone together and they couldn't get relegated for 20 years which it was one of my biggest problems because I'm like, that defeats the whole point of a league of things. Like, I sh- that's where the entitlement comes in and I don't think that should ever be a thing. Mm. Uh, it would have benefited my club, but that was something I'd, I'd never want to see because no one's entitled to it. You'll never get a Leicester win in the league kind of scenario. I know it's once in a blue moon, but it's kind of things that, fans should be able to hope for when they're lower down and not quite the actual top six. But yeah, I I get what you're saying with the more Americanized though. I do unfortunately see it possibly going towards that, but I don't see the scrapping like the leagues and people not getting relegated. That's the only difference. No, I, don't, I don't think they'll scrap that, but I think the attitudes will change in, in that patience idea of, if you do go down, you know, there's a chance you can come back up again. You know, it's just, I think that's how it's going to work. Because at the end of the day, owners don't want competition. You know, no. they, they want their stable revenue. Assets are safe. Yeah, they need their assets safe. And that's how I think the game is going to change its attitude. We're already seeing players 
you know, run down their contracts now. You invest 100 million in a player, but it'll go for nothing in four years. So you're not getting anything in return, whether you want to admit that or not. It's, it's going to get to that stage where more players are going to do it. So clubs are going to be like, well, we can't really spend all this money anymore because we're not getting anything in return. We can't buy them for 30, sell them for 50. So things, I think that attitude is going to change. And I think we're going to see a lot more you know, the way it's all structured in order to bring back the stability and allow the fans to maybe have a little bit more calm. But yeah, it's going to take a while and it's going to take a lot of fans to be upset until it actually happens. But, but yeah, it, it will happen, I think. Well, there you have it. A little bit of football, a little bit of politics this week. It's not question time. It is the Lost in Possession Football Podcast. Um, that wraps us up for another week. As always, like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill. Here we go.